Hit it. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And on this podcast, we've covered many Terence Malick films. The very first episode was Tree of Life. We recently covered To the Wonder, both of which uh, links will be available in the description of this episode on our podcast. This is uh, Terence Malick's latest film, Night of Cups, starring Christian Bale, Kate Blanchett, and uh, Natalie Portman. And just a heads up, we always talk about these films with spoilers in mind. We've seen the film, and you should check it out too. Lloyd, uh, this has had a really weird, bizarre release date schedule. Um, in Australia, it came out in theatres, and now it's available on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, March 4th, it came out in theatres in America, so we were really ahead of the curve on this one. Yeah, I don't get how that works out. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? It's um, Some countries haven't even got it yet, and this is basically being treated as a kind of an independent film, maybe doing kind of a like a roadshow uh, did you drink from the Night of Cups and uh, <laughs> accept what it was? Did you uh, drink the Kool-Aid here on this one? Well, uh, the thing with Terence Malick, he's the only person experimenting with drama at a really high... with You know, with real high-level actors, with real high-level crews. He's armed with the Academy Award-winning cinematography... Um, cinematographer from The Revenant, um, Emmanuel Lebesky, and this film and all his films look absolutely gorgeous. There's no taken away from that, and I do admire Terence Malick so much. Like, again, he's the only guy experimenting with the form of drama. Tradi- I really every- thought you were going to say experimenting with drugs when you first started <laughs> saying that. Well... Yeah, like everyone else is just, you know, doing standard drama, which I love, the three-act structure and so forth. And he's really going out there just trying a different form, like showing different ways of how to um, express this technology, this form of cinema, that it's not just the standard format. And the whole film looks like a memory, like you're in this stream of of consciousness like the like key dramatic moments the audio for some reason just dips down so low that you can't hear anything it's just like well now i have no character development at all and all what's left is the emotional intensity and reactions and physical actions that that give you the drama so to speak i admire that but it's just too long like to the wonder I, I I had the same reaction. It looks beautiful, but you're just getting fragments for... It felt like three hours. And it's just like, I get what you're trying to do. It looks beautiful. Great actors. Um, the, the story is coming to me. I'm sort of getting it on an emotional level rather than an intellectual level, so to speak. But it just stretches on and on. I, w- I wish this was like 90 minutes, and that way I would have enjoyed it a bit more. Well, I mean, he's never going to make a 90-minute film. This one uh, clocks in at 1 hour 58. Felt like three and hours, man. <laughs> it did, didn't it? I mean, uh, we, we, we took Tree of Life and we took To the Wonder and when we reviewed them, we did them very seriously and we tried to look for the philosophical meaning and when Ben Affleck's character in To the Wonder, you know, he doesn't talk much and he turns away from camera a lot, you know, we, we recognised that his character had... Um, 
you know, emotional problems and problems opening up and communication and, and in entry of life, we, we went into that as well. And yet here, I felt there was so little to grab onto. Um, Christian Bale plays Rick, who's this screenwriter that never does any screenwriting. I was going to say that. I was like, where's his books? <laughs> yeah. where, where is his tool for writing? Does he use a laptop, a typewriter? He could have been like a super... He was Christian Bale as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. He, he <laughs> Look, uh, there was a scene where Christian Bale gets robbed and it's a really casual robbery and uh, they take his laptop and I was like, oh, wow, so he won't be able to finish whatever screenplay he's working on. Maybe he's having it stolen mid mid uh, work it's or something. It's all clouded now, Dave. He doesn't yeah, but <laughs> it's nothing. There's no, there's no stakes. Uh, from the IMDb trivia... There's no script. All scenes are improvised. According to Christian Bale, Terence Malick didn't tell the actors what the film was about. Christian Bale had no lines to learn and Terence Malick only gave him the character description. And look, the problem with this film for me is that if you told me it was shot in a weekend or over two years, I would believe both. You know? (laughs) I've got no sense of time. He was like a zombie walking through this whole film, just giving, you know, queer looks all the time. The one time where he does go off um, at his dad, um, played by Brian Dennehy, uh, that all, all that audio's dipped out, you know. So you yep. just you don't actually, you don't actually hear him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, it takes away the emotional kind of core of it. And I mean, the description on IMDb says that, you know, he is imagining past relationships or something. Uh, A writer indulging in all that Los Angeles and Las Vegas has to offer undertakes a search for love and self via a series of adventures with six different women. I think six was the problem here. Like, the only significant ones were Natalie Portman and uh, Kate Blanchett, and it would have been perfectly fine to have had... I'm assuming there were escorts, the absolutely beautiful women that got naked, and then you had... um, you know, the the other girls, Frida Pinto, who looks gorgeous. Uh, the Australians, uh, Teresa, Teresa Palmer, Palmer and Isabel Lucas. Is Isabel Lucas Australian? I think she is. Yeah, she is. Yeah. And Imogen Poots. Those could have been dropped. Uh, they weren't that impactful for me in the story at all. I think you could have got that from the escorts, the the naked girls, what they were I'm sort of conjuring. But the key ones were Natalie Portman and Kate Blanchett. And I think cutting out all the other girls would have just dropped the um the duration of this movie heavily because i couldn't sympathize with him like i understand this guy is going through this really beautiful but soulless environment that that's what he's emphasizing here that all the empty streets and all the beautiful landscapes and architecture and it was great seeing michael wincott in there briefly he's one of my little favorite cult actors he's just got a great voice where he's going are you going to climb your stairs or somebody else's you know and he's going through that really cold mechanical place he's christian bale's character is searching for something himself i get that it's um you know it just takes a lot he's just hammering it, it, it over and over to the audience he's just repeating himself a lot at times some people have said that if you watch the trailer you've actually watched a better version of this film <laughs> I, I i have to admit the first frame i saw of this movie the moment i hit play um i saw it at home by the way um i was drawn in like right away terence malick's images is us is so arresting i was just so drawn in but i have to admit i was getting really bored after 40 50 minutes all those years living the life of someone i didn't even know (laughs) 
I feel like it's a cheat. Both uh, Natalie Portman and Christian Bale have confirmed that they spent more time recording voiceover than uh, the visuals. Now, I feel like the film has no idea where it's going the yeah, whole time. It's a different form of filmmaking, definitely. Like animations, are, from what I understand, they do the voiceover first and then they animate and then they'll do voiceover again to clean it up. Um, or to add things and stuff like that. Like, I do know Pixar actually stops production. Like, I think they did this to Toy Story 2 and Toy Story 3, where they stopped halfway, you know, re almost reconfigured the script, picked up again, so to speak. Terrence Malick um, has a method, I think it's called torpedoing, where he'll, he'll throw in an actor and then they just have to improvise, okay, what are we going to do? And I've watched a lot of B-roll. Um, some wonderful person's uploaded a lot. I guess he's a huge Terrence Malick fan, and he was actually there on set recording on his um iphone or whatever them walking around las vegas and all the people looking around you can tell that none of the actors had any idea what was going on they were just so confused and i guess he grabs the material as beautiful as possible throws in as much improvisation then once he hits the editing room he's putting in um you know voice over here and there just a completely different way of making a movie but the voiceover is such an afterthought it's like he's going well this doesn't even make sense and then it's i need it to make sense so you add the voiceover um uh, sorry he's looking at the images going this doesn't make sense add the voiceover to make it to make um, it make more sense oh yeah. i see yeah because it's not a story the actors don't know what they're doing so they're all just in scenes and then the voiceover is the story which is coming in later i've got an example of something to tell you in a few minutes and uh it's uh, about the party sequence, but I just want to dig in a little bit into this. So The, the very arty entourage sequence, you mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. So the story of his childhood is that, and this is added in voiceover, is that a knight was sent west to find a pearl, but when he arrived, the people poured him a cup that took away his memory and put him in a sleep. So it's saying that... You know, Christian Bale's character, Rick, was sent there with a purpose and through indulgence, he's lost his way, perhaps. You know, uh, he mentions the palm trees tell you anything's possible. And that kind of is this illusion of Hollywood. You know, he's the screenwriter, so he works in the artificial. Great and point, Dave, yep. Yeah, walking down these artificial streets. So it's all fake, you know, and the, like Tree of Life, there's a father-son dynamic at play and the voiceover you know joseph tells us you're just like me you can't figure out your life there's sort of an apocalypse now reference to that ceiling fan uh, maybe i'm reading too much into it but um you pretty much we we have these chapters that are kind of um each one brought out by that tarot card for each of the six women so there's a kind of a format there but i feel like it was found within the editing you know, that Terrence Malick didn't know what this was going to be. And that's why every film he does is called Untitled Terrence Malick Project, because he's just kind of lucking he's his it way. Up. Yeah, I'm, through guess, a story. I'm, I'm gathering you that you don't agree, you don't think it works? No, because, I mean, the problem I have with this is that I think when we had The Thin Red Line, right? Um, Terrence Malick, one of his better films, in my opinion, the voiceovers work so well because they could be anybody they're all kind of having this shared experience of war and all of them are just kind of young male voices and if you recognize one of them you know woody harrelson or whoever that's fine but they're all kind of feeling the same stuff and so it's sort of 
this kind of collected experience, if you will. Here, it's just, I think, to patch together the scenes and make them work. I don't... Like, I feel like he's getting more watered down as the years go on. Like, there's no gaps between his filmmaking. This one, Night of Cups, was filmed back-to-back with his next one, Weightless, which also has Christian Bale and Kate Blanchett and Natalie Portman and Clifton Collins Jr. So it's a sequel? Well, it's not a sequel. It's a completely different story that he's shot right after shooting this with the same actors. You know, dress them differently, walk around scenes bring him back for voiceover later to make it make sense you know i don't know what weightless is about like there's a description on imdb but it just sort of says it's two love triangles or something so that just means more beautiful people almost kissing each other in scenes you know <laughs> yeah i really like i really admire malik for trying this format again he's the only one doing it on this high level experimenting with the other forms of cinema and so forth uh but it just this one missed and i don't think i i want to say that he should stop doing it i think he should keep going until he hits uh i think he's very close like there were parts where i was i I was feeling it um but it it, just as the length of time kept going on and then girl after beautiful girl after beautiful girl was just doing the same thing particularly when i got to las vegas uh with the australian girl and she was just running around all sprightly and i was getting confused which one she was i was like was that the other australian girl like which one's that that's when i realized it's just the same thing being uh, i'm being hit with over and over again and that's when i just started getting bored because as you said it just kept, kept getting watered down i think he's almost Almost there though i just think a little bit of tight editing and he's onto something i really do feel like he's onto something and it and and he's really close dave i think um he hit it with tree of life and i think he's just going a little bit further um i don't know to a place where it, you just can't relate to it maybe the the opulence of the the characters like the that ho- that whole high class world that upper class world where you're in those beautiful mansions i have no relation to that <laughs> at all i'll never get invited to parties like that <laughs> Well, come on, pardon me if you can, might be very successful one day, Lloyd. Well, if I'm ever at parties like the ones (laughs) characterised in this movie, I'd be doing cartwheels. (laughs) And then that's when they kick you out of the party, Yeah, that's when they'll kick me out. What are you doing here? (laughs) All right, I just want to talk about this party sequence for a minute, Lloyd. Give me your honest reactions as I tell you. So there's an actor called Thomas Lennon. He was the gentleman in Reno 911 who had the very short shorts. Uh, Have you ever seen that show? Yeah, I have seen a couple. Cool. Uh, So he is a very successful screenwriter and um, he was invited to be an extra in the party sequence where Antonio Banderas is having a party, Joe Manganiello, uh, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, There's a few people, recognisable faces at the party scene. Thomas Lennon uh, did some publicity for the film. He did an article for Business Insider. They said, uh, he got a call from his agent and it says, do you know Terrence Malick? And I decided... I would try and be a smarty pants. I'm just reading from the article. And I said, of course, but I'd never seen any of his films. Lennon told Business Insider. I was aware of his name, like you're aware of names like Etam Egoyan. Artsy fartsy films, unlike the things I'm in or write. But Lennon agreed to do the role without being given any details about who he was or what he was playing. I'm going to skip ahead. He arrived to the set... Uh, he knew something about his work and he found Christian Bale sitting by the pool. Now, Christian Bale did know Thomas Lennon because um, 
they were together in a sequence in The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, he plays the physician or doctor who tells him that he shouldn't be putting any weight on his leg and, you know, it'd be a miracle if he could repair any of that damage or something, you know. Uh, do you remember that cameo? Was yeah, it? he had no cartilage left on his knee or something. That's the one. Uh, so he uh, exchanged pleasantries and um, Terence Malick handed him a piece of paper and Lennon said, the one he gave me said, there's no such thing as a fireproof wall. And I ask, is this something I'm supposed to say in the scene? And he says, I don't know. Lennon learned after talking to the director that there was no script, just a phrase that might inspire him when the cameras started rolling. Malik goes, would you like some more? Because I have a whole stack of these. And I was like, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Lennon said uh, he later asked Bale while Malik was away. Lennon, is this how it goes? Bale. Yeah. Lennon, every day? Bale. Yeah. <laughs> Lennon, how long have you been doing this? Bale. This is like day 25. <laughs> so they filmed for 11 hours uh, for one minute of screen time. So there's a lot of cutting room floor on this. For a full 11 hours, and at one point, Tom Lennon called his wife and was yelling at her back and forth. They were having an actual argument. And um, because, you know, the situation was such that he couldn't get home, he was stuck there for 11 hours, it changed their plans, right? So they're having a very real fight, and uh, Terence Malick came up with the camera and the stubby lens and got, I'm not kidding, eight inches away from my face, filming me having this totally real fight with my wife. <laughs> but he said, fuck it, this is the realest thing that's happened all day. <laughs> Everything about this article sounds hilarious. You know, Malik gave him a hug when they rapped, and he said, I had no idea I was even in the film until they asked me to do some press. <laughs> I just found this to be, like, it would be a fly on the wall on a Terrence Malick film. Sounds like it would just be an amazing 11 hours. <laughs> well, as I said, with that YouTube channel, uh, a lot of B-roll was shown, like just him filming... Um uh, Terence Malick at work I guess and the crew and yeah people just walking around and all of a sudden a guy with a steady cam will just walk up to them and jam this camera right in their face and they just have to roll with it it's really interesting drama is it interesting it feels like obviously it's kind of experimental filmmaking but if you're working for a studio and they say hey um we've got this guy Terence Malick he's made these amazing films he's a cult director and then you're like cool great who's in the film right and if he rattles off this cast, you're giving them money, you know, and it can't cost too much. And you feel like you're definitely not going to lose too much in making this art film. You know, you're going, well, I mean, Christian Bale's in it. Christian Bale wouldn't sign on and do some garbage, right? Kate Blanchett wouldn't be associated with garbage, right? Everyone... Well, I wouldn't say this is garbage, though. I, 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 yeah, like it didn't work for us, but I don't think this film is that bad. Like, I would rather watch this than Transformers three or two. I'd probably rather watch Transformers one than this because at least it has a cohesive story. But from what I've heard from Transformers two and three, which I haven't seen, it's just all over the place. <laughs> like, there is something emotionally engaging there, and um, and the effort or the 
the the route he took to make this film is I, I don't think any filmmaker is doing it like this so he is getting some sort of like he talks about it just getting that moment the moment the crossroads China generated and if it takes 11 hours I guess <laughs> you know a ridiculous amount of time just to get that brief little reaction or something like it, it, it's up there on film somewhere I guess by the way was that um, actor that you just read out in that interview is he actually in the film he is for like uh, less than a minute of was screen that, time. Was that phone conversation actually in it? No, or? the phone conversation's not. Okay, that must be on the cutting it'll, room floor. Oh, it'll something. probably be in his next film. Because <laughs> <laughs> anything could be. Look, I, I'm completely with you that the two things that worked were Kate Blanchett and um, Natalie Portman's character. I actually got some emotional reaction from that. And a bit uh, of his dad as well with Brian Dennehy. Like, there was some eeriness to the ghost aspect of them. Like, he's just walking through this dead, um, a massive building, and he looks through a window, and his dad's cleaning blood off his hands. There was just something really eerie about that, um, which I liked. Um, I would have liked to have heard the audio a bit more, particularly with those moments in the house where they obviously had a domestic fight, and the mum walks out of the house, and brian dennehy's yelling at his brother and then he's saying don't respect dad and stuff like that um like again it's the way it's edited and the way it's projected is like a run of memories like this stream of conscious and i know that's what he's going for but again there's just little moments like that i just want a bit more information um just to gauge exactly what is going on because I'd, i'd rather be um enlightened rather than confused at the at those key dramatic moments I, I guess the lack of information is what I found frustrating. Frustrating, absolutely. Um, and a bit repetitive. Like, con- like it's so beautiful, this movie, but there's only so much you can take. Like, uh, constant shots of the beach, you know, and just cu- just panning to the to the ocean, going up on the um, up on the shore, and then their feet walking on the thing. It's just like, geez, Louise, I saw this twenty minutes ago. Yeah, has I mean, it, is there something wrong with the DVD? Has it wound back? <laughs> I guess that's escapism like that's as far in la as you can get before you hit the ocean yeah no like that's a great point edge of la no I, you, you bring it up really great points dave you've seen a lot more of um a lot more into the film than i did <laughs> well i mean honestly i can see how people will check out but i was very much trying to follow it philosophically and a little few little observations i mean kate blanchett doing voiceover is very much like lord of the rings <laughs> you know uh, there's so many shots of people underwater as well like beautiful women in dresses like constantly flowing like, that's a very repetitive um tool like it looks cool but maybe holster that a little bit more just so it's more impactful and i really like the photo sh- um shoot that was really interesting like there's that's like one of the few audio moments like i can remember now like where you hear the the cruelty of the um the director doing the photography i think he says i wrote this down you're like a 1975 housewife that takes steroids and fucks women during the day (laughs) was that a girl like he was in german saying it and the other girl had to translate Translate it it? oh wow okay i think yeah yeah that was the odd direction but yeah that um, was like the, one of the few moments where you actually heard dialogue <laughs> yeah well you mentioned repetitive shots Kate Blanchett obviously wasn't there for many days but her character used to be married to Rick um played by Christian Bale and there's that shot of her uh with the gentleman in like a clinic and uh she's dressed in scrubs or something and she's treating him and we see that shot at least two times maybe three times and 
it sort of doesn't mean anything. Like, it's not a scene that had to be there at all. They could have used Sunny Girls. Like, I know exactly what you mean. When you saw that again, you're just like, you know, you're breathing heavily. Like, Kate Blanchett is, like, probably my favourite character in the movie. Um, just because she, there was just so much detail to her. Like she was obviously the wife. They've had a breakup, and there's this longing from her. That's just the power of Kate Blanchett. She's an amazing actress. There's a longing for it. Like like she really loved Christian Bale or Rick's character rather. And then you know she's a nurse as well. Just had so much more dimensions that this film doesn't choose to tap into. But the brief moments you do see of her, they are, they are impactful. And it's disappointing that they had to repeat those images at the hospital. Like it yeah. felt like the exact same footage as well exactly the same i wondered if people who do love this because i didn't love it i wonder if people who love this kind of imprint their own ideas or relationships like uh, he says he was afraid of life when he was young and he obviously married her when he was younger and she says are you sorry we didn't have babies i am And then why didn't his marriage work? I was trying to figure it out because they only give you these snippets of information. Maybe he has a wandering eye because he's dating six different women and memories in this. And that was shown as well when he's walking down the street and he, um, like, I don't know if it's Christian Bale eyeing the girls, but there's just a lot of beautiful women walking down the street at that point. And yeah, his eyes do wander, I feel. That might just be, like, L.A. is full of seductive women or something. Or it might have been just my eyes. Like, it could have just been L.A. naturally, and I was just looking at all the beautiful women. Yeah, well, there are a lot of helicopters and planes in L.A. It looks really bleak and neon and concrete, and there's homeless people. And, you know, there's it's kind of portraying L.A. as, like, a place he's trapped, you know. L.A.'s a character in the film, if you will, Lloyd. Yeah, very soulless and beautiful just like maps of the stars which we covered in our podcast (laughs) there was that one little scene with the agent or the producer on the stairs saying you know want to make you rich and um i just finished reading a thomas lennon book last month and it was um called how to make how to write films for fun and profit and in that he says that your first film if you sell it to a hollywood studio the minimum they pay you is a hundred thousand dollars u.s if you're part of a union so very quickly if you have a string of successful films you know back the money truck up is something he says so you can see how one accurate part of this is christian bale's lifestyle if he's a successful screenwriter he's rich you know um i don't know about aaron sorkin rich but (laughs) yeah i think um with this film like you can hate it i don't think this is going to work for many people but you cannot deny like this is a very beautiful looking film like uh, there's things in this like i've never seen before there's like just in the limousine the girls and him they're obviously going to the nightclub i've just never seen a limousine like with girls shot like that like ever like how that was photographed or how nightclubs are photographed i've never seen anything like that before he makes you know everyday things or things that you usually know about look so different and so eerie um so uh, at at the, at the end of the day this is a very beautiful looking music video <laughs> well definitely. a very long one as well but that doesn't make it a good film sure like, there's a quote where they say each woman each man a guide a god so does that mean everyone is everything so everyone is nothing like what is going on this is all very philosophical 
But my issue with the Terrence Malick's films these days is at any point, if the credits rolled, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) And also, everything feels like an ending, you know? And if it went for another four more hours, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, it's timeless in that it's... (laughs) They start something, it doesn't feel like it forms, something else begins. Like, it's just... I don't know. It's hard to explain. Um, uh, it will be amazing if, like, a kid tried to do this, like, a really talented early 20s kid tr- tried to do this with just him and his mates and how much it would be destroyed by critics. But because Terrence Malick has, like, the best DOP in the world, top-of-the-line actors wanting to work with him, you know, it just comes across as art. But anyone else trying to do this uh, with the same technique of, you know, conjuring it up in the editing room, adding voiceover here and there, uh, I just can't see them ever getting the same success as Terrence Malick. That's right. And, I mean, I feel like if you took a film that already existed and removed all dialogue and all scenes where people talked and then over the top of it you just had things like, have I found you? Can it be? <laughs> I want to marry you. <laughs> uh, there's so much love inside us that never gets out. And just dialogue from this film. <laughs> that it would make, make about as much sense, you know. <laughs> Dave, you hated it so much. I could feel it coming through to the... Do you know the problem I have? <laughs> I, I remember Warhorse more fondly in <laughs> oh, retrospect. No. But, like, this is such a fresh cut. You know, that's the problem I have, is Knight of Cups is just so fresh. <laughs> Which one did you like, like better, Maps, maps um, to the Stars or this? Maps to the Stars, I think. <laughs> because they had a, co- a coherent story. Yeah, well, I feel like we learned something through the story, and there was, like, I mean, what's her name? Julianne Moore was particularly good. She was in that, right? Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, yep. great. <laughs> I'm remembering that correctly. She, she was the best part of the movie. Like, yeah. I'm not putting down anyone else, of course. But uh, she stood out, yeah. I, I'm defending Terrence Malick here. Like, the, there are huge portions of this movie I liked. I just hated the length of it. It was just too much and too much repetition. But he's almost there. Like, I, I just... um. I just wish he had a really strict editor who just really talked him down. Oh, look, man, you can cut some of this out. You're just repeating yourself. And it, it, it it's it's almost working for me. Like, I, I did feel Sonic emotional, like you said, with Natalie Portman and Kate, Kate Blanchett's character. And I cannot deny how beautiful this movie looks. Jeez, I'm repeating myself as much as Terrence Malick <laughs> is in his movies. <laughs> Let's talk about the Natalie Portman bit a little bit. Um so that have I found you can it be I imagine that's about the pearl you know he seems to wonder whether or not he's yeah I think uh, Natalie Portman's supposed to be the one yeah yeah I mean she looks at her wedding dress perhaps a representation of her vows you know she's cheating uh, but when she's there with him she forgets her husband as she says he says he wants to marry her but of course she's already married then there's this quote save what you can of your life don't lose it all just because you've lost a part. And then she says, I found out I was pregnant. Nate came back and I wasn't sure if it was my husband's or if it was yours. So then she presumably has an abortion. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the most emotional part of the film. Um, And Rick says, there's so much love inside us that never gets out. You know, and they've got the time to craft these voiceovers. So, you know, they all work quite well in this context and and that was probably my favorite part the natalie portman part um i guess it's good that both of them are returning for the next terence malick film 
Rick, how do you sleep at night on top of a pile of money with lots of beautiful women? You know, like Natalie Portman's going back to this relationship that she's cheated on like she's got that on a soul plus the loss of plus the possibility of the loss of a child that that she doesn't know who the father was you know she gets the short end of the stick while christian bell goes all right i'm off to some beautiful hookers now <laughs> yeah isabel lucas is next on my call sheet yeah yeah <laughs> the uh, the final title card says freedom and uh the voiceover is find the light you know in the east so obviously not la the light in the eyes of others, the pearl, and then they reuse that damn Kate Blanchett footage again, treating that man. <laughs> I wrote that down, it obviously frustrated me. And the final line of the film, Rick says, begin. And then the scene of him driving away, presumably east, away from LA, like he's escaped. Terence Malick's commentary on Hollywood, I guess, and how it can really suck you in. <laughs> what was the most beautiful um, scene in the movie for you? Oh boy. Um, I'm going to say the party scene and just when we go inside the mansion and there's this absolutely beautiful rooms, uh, the dinner table and the roof and everything and the mansion and all the people just had this weird energy to it and he just felt like you were really privileged to see this these images of a very um, beautiful part of an upper class society but they're all strangely soulless as well like there's a strange eeriness to everyone like they're they're dancing but then they don't feel the music so to speak the mansion sequence the whole party sequence at antonio banderas i was fascinated by i actually tweeted thomas lennon and i said um in night of cups whose mansion was that you know and then uh i wrote p.s really enjoyed your book something like that thomas lennon liked my tweet which told me nothing about where that mansion uh was so oh that's uh, great you didn't even read my tweet did you (laughs) you liked it (laughs) but something uh there's a sauvage ad at the moment have you seen that ad with johnny depp it's for his like fragrance right no i haven't seen it he's just kind of driving through the desert and he looks dirty and johnny depp-esque and it kind of reminded me of this film (laughs) If, if you haven't seen it, that's okay. People will uh, will Google it if they're interested. It's hard for me to feel sorry for Rick's character with just how much he had in his life. Like, he, ha- he just has everything going for him, and you just want to slap him over the head. Like, the, the film literally wants to shake him to reality. Like, there's literally an earthquake at the beginning of the film, which is just so literal. You know, just trying to wake him up. You know, realize who you are. Go east or whatever. And it, you're just looking at this life going, damn, man, you got, like, the best life. Everyone would kill to be in your shoes. I mean, he's got problems with his dad. That's fair enough. He had one brother that possibly committed suicide. Suicide, so that's yeah. had an impact. And the other brother's in drugs. Like, he's in a you know downward spiral obviously yeah and he's also had a failed marriage with Kate Blanchett and I don't know what the timeline is like but he has you know loses a child with Natalie Portman as well so he gets robbed and it's not all like uh, roses but I see what you're saying like it's hard to relate to him it's hard to feel sorry for him there was that scene where they're just kind of filming a pelican (laughs) oh yeah yeah they're just kind of tracking this pelican and then that somehow just makes it in as well just because the whole tarot thing was what i kept coming back to if tarot cards are a way of like telling the future and telling your destiny and everything 
is his destiny predetermined or can he change his destiny and i feel like that might be where it was going i mean the title is knight of cups which is a tarot card anything on that i got no idea it's tricky isn't it look it's rotten tomatoes has it as a 43 percent imdb is pretty generous with 5.8 maybe for me the films need more structure before they get going i don't know i i can see they're visually spectacular um I've always been a fan of the cinematography in his films. It's just like, uh, I feel like Tree of Life was one thing and that each film is worse, making this the worst. Which one was worse for you too, The Wonder or Knight of Cups? Probably Knight of Cups, just because I feel like to The Wonder, maybe, uh, I'm sure people can listen to this on the podcast, but maybe the relationships worked better. Well, to The Wonder to me, there was too much frolicking in the you know in the parks and stuff like that just got too much for me i'm like oh my god (laughs) there was plenty of frolicking in this too but but i know what you mean so that's the worst you think to the wonder uh yeah to the wonder is the worst like it's not that i hated to the wonder i'll say the same thing when i'm saying a knight of cups but knight of cups just had a little bit more dimension for me and a little bit more variety to look into such as like the you know the privileged images of the inside the darkness of hollywood so to speak and then his father and, and and things like that whereas i'm thinking of to the wonder right now and all i can picture is ben affleck longingly looking at a girl frolicking in in some beautiful plains or somewhere in uh, meadows meadows i'll uh, i'll finish this podcast with you uh, with a quote from an imdb message board the headline is what is the best and then you have to open up the thread to see what they're talking about what is the best drug to watch this film on (laughs) that's from uh, mrs jones 344 the response which came from johnny the c cyanide because you will die before the opening credits (laughs) (laughs) that's mean that's mean Oh, it gave me a chuckle. Terrence, I've always got to defend you, buddy. Keep doing what you're doing. You're almost there. You, you, I, my favourite of yours is still Days of Heaven with Richard Gere. Um, that's still my favourite Terrence Malick film. And then uh, probably The Thin Red Line. Thin Red Line for me. Uh, look, he's filmed back-to-back films, so Weightless is his next one. And I, I can't I guess... wait, Dave. I'm gonna, we're going to cover it on this podcast. I'm going to force you to watch it, mate. <laughs> all right, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> following this podcast guys we've got an exciting one next time subscribe tune in join us on facebook you can find all the links at podmeifyoucan.com because next time we're gonna see christian bale's uh well predecessor is that the right word uh the next batman played by ben affleck from to the wonder fame <laughs> uh, batman vs superman dawn of justice is our next episode and i I hope it's better than this, Lloyd. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot more fun. <laughs> I mean, it can't be it's, worse. <laughs> it's not going to be a chore to watch. Like, uh, not, uh, not to put Days of... Oh, sorry, um, uh, Night of Cups down again. But, uh, you know, it's not going to be a chore. I'm going to really enjoy it. It's going to be like really good chewing gum. You know, I'm going to enjoy it. Because <laughs> it's a pop, pop kind of film. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't mean to be aggressive about it. I had a not fun experience. No, Dave, watching you, you had Cups. a very inte- you had very intelligent things to say about it. Oh, I appreciate that. But um, what I would like is for people to tweet us, to write on Facebook, to let us know what you thought. If you've seen Night of Cups as well, it's great to get kind of a 
a census on this sort of thing because uh, there's just the two of us on the podcast. But uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, it's always great to cover Terence Malick because, you know, starting the podcast with Tree of Life and uh, listen back to our other episodes if you haven't heard them on, on Terence Malick's films. And yeah, we obviously are going to tune in for Weightless. So uh, thanks for that, Lloyd. <laughs> I have have hope, though, that it will be its own uh, entity and uh, hopefully um improvement on knight of cups but um i just hope he cuts down the length the gosh damn length <laughs> look i don't think so i i will make a, a friendly wager with you now that it'll be longer than knight of cups knight of cups was one hour 58 let's wait and see what weightless clocks in it. oh gosh if it goes over the two hour mark i'm just i think it will <laughs> absolutely will he's got all the extra footage from knight of cups to use <laughs> hell we got some from tree of life buddy <laughs> yeah just bring it on in i'll i'll cobble something together i'll just get all the actors to say what i need them to say and then it'll make sense look guys thanks for listening next time batman vs superman dawn of justice and uh hit us up on facebook or at www.podmeifyoucan.com hit it Ooh. Yeah, yeah. thank you for listening please like us on facebook and Follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews. 